While we are going to uh, continue on in our biblical soul care class, and um, we've covered a lot of material, we've covered a lot of topics, a lot of situations, and we still have some more to come. Um, but at the same time, sometimes, if you're like me, sometimes a lot of this information can be interesting and inspiring and exciting, and then you say, wait, how do I actually do this? What does it look like? Um, and, I, and I wanted to try this morning to try to just pull the car over for a little bit and help you think through like some practical uh, practical interactions about how this would actually maybe look like, how you would actually process these types of things both in your own life and in the lives of those around you. Um, I even thought about trying to write out like a little script, <laughs> you know, and call some poor hapless soul up here and like have them read the role of, you know, the person struggling and we could, you know, act it out. And then I thought, no, that's horrible. I can't do that. Um, but one of the hard things about that is that everything is so nuanced in terms of just responding and asking questions and then, you know, interacting with the information that you get from that question and just kind of all that kind of thing that it's, that it's, hard, to, it's hard to script it out well. Um, but I'm hoping, and I have confidence mostly in the work of God's Spirit to equip you all, uh, hoping that this will be helpful just in terms of taking a lot of the information that we've talked about and saying, well, okay, what would this, what would this look like? All right, so let me pray and ask the Lord's blessing on this time. Father, please uh, give us your, your wisdom, give us your, your, just the work of your Spirit in order to understand and not just to appreciate the truth of what you've instructed and what you have laid out in your Word about how we're to interact with one another, but even more than appreciating it, to then to apply it. Lord, that these things would become part of just the, the fabric of our relationships with one another and those around us in a way that honors and glorifies you and in a way that edifies, instructs, encourages, bears with, rebukes, admonishes, and loves one another. We need your help in this. I need your help right now just to be helpful and to be clear, so I ask for that. And... We commit this time to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what I've drawn up in your chart, and I apologize, it's stapled weird, and you know, it's backside this, horizontal that, and then vertical on the other page. Somebody, somebody came up to me uh, just before the class, and they said, so I was wondering if Daniel Good was teaching today, because, you know, Dale is preaching, and they said, and then I looked at the handout, and I was like, nope, it's not Daniel Good." And I was like, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, just, you know, there's levels of organization that are different between Aaron Johnson and Daniel Good handouts. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But anyway, <laughs> on the handout there, I've tried to just put down what, it, what is, for me at least, one of the more helpful ways to just try to process issues um, to just try to process conversations with one another and, and things that are going on. And frankly, even in my own heart, and um, don't look cheat and look now, but on the back, you know, I've kind of worked out like, okay, if, if there was something going on in my heart, how would I 
process that and try to wrestle it through. And so I'm a simple guy, and I like simple things and not lots. And so really, this is just kind of three categories, which we find in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. And the first time that I really marinated on this, I thought, man, this is so helpful for life and processing uh, issues and being able to, to understand my own heart, to understand my kids' hearts, to understand my friends' hearts and everything like that. And so Ephesians 4, 22 um, says that in reference to your former manner of life, okay, here, here's the first column, you lay aside the old self or you put off the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And then here's the second column. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is all about how to live the Christian life. How to honor Christ in life. And then column three. You put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And so I, I tried to create what you, know, just, you could see as a soul care paradigm. This is not a corner on the market. This is not the only way, but this is a way that I think will be helpful if you can kind of put this in the filing cabinet of your mind so that when you're considering things, when you're talking with people, you can kind of say, okay, I can kind of work through this system and approach as I interact with folks. First, with just kind of trying to say, okay, so what, what is the issue of struggle at hand? And again, remember, soul care is not always get a problem and fix it. You know, it could be a trial to understand and how to process and endure, right? So it's not like you're broken and I must fix you, but there are areas of struggle. There are issues of struggle, which could just be a hard time that needs endurance, or it could be an area of sin that needs to be addressed, okay? So there, there's, a, there's breadth in that idea of issue of struggle, all right? But in the midst, after you've been able to kind of uh, lay out what that issue of struggle is, then you have to think, okay, so what are the things about this struggle that I need to put off? What are, for example, the godless thoughts that I need to put off, the sinful attitudes? What are the wrong desires? And what are the disobedient actions that in the midst of this area of struggle, whether I'm just in, enduring a hard time, you know, some sort of trial, or no, this is actually an area of sin, that I need to process these things. And then in the midst of then saying, okay, so those, that's what I need to be put off. You don't want to jump straight to the wall put on because you, sometimes it's too easy to forget the be renewed. And so in the midst of being renewed, you're asking yourself, what, what truth, what truth is at hand that I need to digest and to marinate deeply on and in? So you're saying, what, what are the relevant scripture passages to this particular area of struggle? What are the scripture passages that speak to this sin? What are the scripture passages that speak to this, this trial or this hardship? And then, you know, after reading the scripture passages, you have to sit and you have to think, okay, the distilled principles, right? Not just, not just the, 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 the literal black and white text, but the, the core principle from that text that I can say, okay, and this applies to my situation, how? All right? So asking, how do I be renewed, like Romans 12 says, in our minds in these areas? And, and then saying, okay, I'm going to have some purposeful prayer regarding this issue of struggle, a time of repentance, a time of consecration. And, and, and that's, 
that's not a, you know, it's not like, okay, I finished column one and then I move on to column two and I finish being renewed and so then I move into, you know, putting on. These are always constantly, okay, I go back and I touch on column one and now I, I, I'm constantly refreshing myself about being renewed. That's an ongoing process in the midst of dealing with whatever you're encountering. And then also in the midst of that cycle and in the midst of those things, you're asking yourself, what? And and it needs to be very specific. What do I need to put on? Like it's not just, okay, I'm angry. I need to be not angry. And you say, well, no, no, no. What, what does it look like to put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth? What in this scenario does it look like for me to put on the characteristics of godliness. And that's actions, that's godly thoughts, it's righteous attitudes, it's right desires, it's obedient actions. So, so you're actually trying to delineate that in specific ways. And then, you know, you actually need some sort of plan of action because it's great to think it through. Um, but you don't want this to be like the, the classic, you know, New Year's resolution where you think it through and then, you know, just good intentions, right? It all goes away, gets forgotten, gets left behind. You want to have a plan of action. Okay, so based upon what do I need to put off, how do I need to be renewed, and then what does it look like to put stuff on, you say, okay, so for this plan of action to address this issue of struggle, I'm going to memorize this. And I can't emphasize that enough. Memorize for the sake of meditation, okay? Because scripture, uh, scripture is different when it's memorized in its effect. Because you can meditate, and meditation. If you look in, the, if you look in the Bible, and we talked about this already, it's so important. Because when you meditate, based upon memorization, it just comes up all the time, and it literally sanctifies you in the midst of the moments. You find yourself being able to, uh, to avail yourself of the power of God and the truth of God in the midst of situations where you would have earlier just been, 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 been overwhelmed by whatever you find yourself in. But it's not good enough to just say, well, I need to memorize. You've got to say, well, what, what am I memorizing? Well, it's probably going to be one of those relevant scripture passages so that you can really get that into your head. And then you're going to strategize. You're going to say, what... In this scenario, what do I need to, to plan to flee? To not just tolerate, but to flee from evil. What does it look like in this situation to flee from evil? It could be a mental fleeing. It could be a physical fleeing. And then you also need a plan to conquer. In this scenario, the next time that it pops up or the next time that I'm tempted by such and such... I will do such and such because God's spirit is in me and he promises that his word is, is, is active and, and powerful and will have effect and he, he promises that I'm freed from sin, freed from the power of sin and I am a slave to righteousness and so I can plan to conquer. Sometimes we, we, we almost plan to fail but we need to plan, I think, to conquer with an understanding that failing happens. 
But plan to conquer. What does it look like to succeed in this? And I'm going to plan to do that, and I'm going to pursue that plan. And then also enlist support. If you're thinking through something, if you're working through something, even in your own life, in your own heart, then you need to draw somebody else into that process with you and say, hey, here's my issue, here's my struggle, here's my sin, here's whatever it is, and here's what I understand I need to put off, here's what I'm trying to do to be renewed, and here's what I want to do the next time that I'm in that situation to, to, to put on righteousness, and so help me, pray for me. You know, this is, what, this is one of the things I tell couples when we're doing premarital. It's like, look, I, I know the, the, the struggles to maintain purity in the, midst of, um, in the midst of the engagement period. So you need to have a plan. And one of the plans can be, you know, you, you, you've said we want to maintain these standards of purity. So tell me those detailed plans. Right? Don't, don't give me, you know, I just I want to be godly. Great. What does that look like? You know, and then, okay, so, so you say you don't want to be foolish about time in the car. Okay, well then, you know what? Text me. Here's that enlisting of support. Text me when you go out on a date. Not because I'm your dad and you need to check in, but because I'm your brother and I want to help bear this situation so that you can conquer and you can enlist support in very concrete ways. And they can say, hey, I'm going out and, you know, we're going to be there and, you know, and I'm planning to be done here. Or, you know, we're leaving the, the movie at this time or the, the restaurant at this time. And, you know, definitely don't want to linger for, you know, an hour in the car. And so, hey, we're leaving. I should have her dropped off by such and such. And, you know, just let me know. Okay, great. And then I text them back, you know, unless they're like super late people. Because my pastoring only goes so far. But, <laughs> but there's the enlisting of support. And that's so helpful. You know, and it's, 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 it's so helpful. So I wanted to kind of illustrate that out. Like what would that actually look like in this paradigm? And, uh, and again, this is helpful for your own thinking, for your own heart, which is what this example is. And then it's also helpful for your interactions with others. So the issue of struggle at hand. And it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but this is the type of thing that can pop up really easily, all right? Here's the issue of struggle. I am mad, I'm jealous, I'm envious, I'm bitter, and this will make sense to you. I'm bitter of Pastor Myra, who seems to be the favorite junior preacher and gets all the opportunities and all the acclaim. He's everybody's favorite. They get the most, you know, everybody's like, man, why can't you be like Pastor Myrol? And, you know, he's just so clear and he's articulate and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I recognize that in my heart, and this is not really a problem, but it could be, okay? But this is the kind of like relational dynamic. I think if you pause for a second and you think about your family, if you're a, a sibling and you think about your siblings, Okay? If you think about your coworkers, if you think about your boss, or if you think of, like, whatever. This is the kind of relational dynamic that could pop up in a lot of scenarios. So I'm just putting this between Pastor Myrell and I because it's fun. So let's pretend, okay, that I'm mad, I'm jealous, I'm envious, I'm bitter because of Pastor Myrell, who's the favorite junior preacher, and he gets all the opportunities and all the acclaim. I have to be able to recognize, and somebody's probably going to need to help me understand this and walk me through this. Um, maybe they've seen some of my faces that I make at my role 
or in staff meeting, they, they, they see my, 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 you know, grumbly disposition towards him and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so somebody has to help me understand, and I need to be able to see that, look, my anger at my role, the grumbling in my heart when he's around or when he gets spoken of well, you know, and that grumbling rises up in my heart and that kind of, like, downcast uh, face that happens in the midst of that, that's sin, and it needs to be put off, right? Somebody needs to understand that my, my unkind words or my cold attitude towards my role in our, this is, gonna start, this is going to start to get very awkward, I think. But again, it's not true. But that those unkind, word, unkind words or, or cold disposition, you know, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm friendly and outgoing and, you know, engaging with others. And then, and then Myro comes and, hey, hey, that's great, good, mm-hmm, yep, nope, okay, good. And, and Frank over here, or we'll call him Rick, I was, just, I, was just, I was just cheerful with Rick. And Rick's going, man, that was, that was really like, what is going on? And, and needs to be pressing in, needs to be asking what is going on and helping me understand that that, that, that that unkindness is an action, is a thought, is an attitude that needs to be put off. But... This is where it starts to get, and we're going to talk about some questions that you can ask in terms of really diving into some of these types of things. Because that's one thing, right? That's like, okay, you're being a jerk and you're, and you're being unkind. But that's not all. It's not like, hey, be nice, you know, which is sometimes what our parenting drops into. So all of this can really have application into parenting as well. But it's not just, hey, straighten up, be nice, speak kinder to my role. It's, well, why? Why? What's going on? You know, and when Rick sits me down and we have a nice little chat, I realize that, well, I'm, I'm discontent with my own position. I want more than I'm getting. I'm not content with the number of opportunities that I have, or I'm not content with the amount of affirmation that I get, or something like that. And again, put yourself in those shoes at work, at home, in the midst of ministry, in your own circles, whatever the case may be. Right? I'm discontent with my own position. I think I deserve more than what I'm currently receiving. That, that needs to be put off. Okay? I mean, further questions might even reveal that I need to put off the thought that I'm believing that God has wronged me by not giving me what he's given to my role in this brilliant, logical, articulate engineering mind that just blows my processes to smithereens. And I'm like, God, why didn't you, you know, in in just some some vulnerability, like as a musician, this has been a real big wrestling for me. Because it's so easy as a musician, for example, to compare to other musicians and say, God, why didn't you give me that? Why didn't you give me that uh, vulnerable here? Why didn't you give me that recording quality voice or, or, or that... Kyle Howell jazz mind and that kind of stuff. And Lord, you just, you've done me wrong. And that's, that's where it can go, but that's not godly. 
Right? And so those things need to be put off, not tolerated, not, 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 not coddled, not just sort of swept under the carpet, but put off. To think that God has wronged me by not giving me what he's given to someone else is wrong. Look at that, cow. You come back for a visit and you get name dropped. It's good to see you, man. <laughs> I need to understand that I, I need to put off this desire for man's approval. That's wrong. That's sin. That's an ungodly thought. That's an unrighteous desire. But that's at, that's at the heart of this is, man, I want people to uh, speak well of me and to respect me. And that's part of the reason why I'm being a jerk tomorrow. You see how, though, that's not necessarily immediately at hand or being dealt with? But I can't just say, hey, be nice to Myrl. you got to say, well, what's going on? Why and how? Okay, so those are the things that I would need to understand that need to be put off. Um, okay, so what do I do with that? Well, I need to be renewed. And Sunday school does not go until 1030 yet. It goes until 1015. So I don't have time to read all these. All right, but... You can see, and look, this was, just, this was just a smattering. As I was thinking through this, this issue, this hypothetical issue in my own heart, this, this is just a smattering of God's truth and God's perspective on this. Um, and so you could do it like this, and then you could do another one in a week or in two weeks and, 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 and hit it again from a fresh side. But... You know, Philippians 4, 12 to 13 tells me the truth of God that contentment can be had in any and every situation in Christ. It can be had. I do not have to just say, well, that's just kind of the way it is. I'm always this, he's always that, and, and I'm just going to sit and grumble until I die. No, I can be content. I have to base my contentment in the right thing, in the right person, but I can be content. Romans 12, 15, which is a rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, says to obey God means I can't just like, I can't be uh, neutral. <laughs> like it's not enough to just stop being a jerk. It is not enough to just be like, okay, I'll be, I'll be neutral. No. It means I will be happy for my role and the fruit that God is bringing about from his ministry. And this is one of the things that I actually love about our leadership team is that we love and support and affirm each other in those things because our goals are, is not about you know, the kingdom of Aaron or the kingdom of Rick. And Rick's a fabulous example of this. It's, it's the kingdom of God and the fruit of, of ministry for your all's sakes and for God's sake. And it's a huge deal that that's the nature of our leadership team. But hypothetically, in this scenario, I would need to understand that obeying God means, no, 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 don't just stop being a jerk and become neutral, but rejoice with those who rejoice. And so in the next category, we're going to have to think, like, how do I put that on? But Job 121, I mean, talk about an example and an argument from the greater to the lesser. Job's example of saying the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, <laughs> greater to my then lesser. Okay, the Lord gives opportunity to speak and the Lord takes away opportunity to speak or the opportunity to minister or whatever. Okay, blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, man, if I can look at Job who's doing that, I should... 
I should be able to understand the opportunity. Who is God in the midst of this? God is the one who gives, and God is the one who does not give. God is the one who withholds, or God is the one who takes away. And my response as, as a child of God is to say, thank you, Lord. You do as you see fit, and I'll, I'll, I'll be glad, and I'll praise you, and I'll worship you for that. James 1, 9 through 11 uh, echoes what Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24 says that let not the wise man boast in his wisdom or the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boasts in this, that he knows and understands me that I am the Lord, etc., etc., etc. And so I need to understand that in that scenario, I have to reorient the, the goal of my boasting in the Lord and knowing him, not in earthly successes or lack thereof, and because of that, I can boast, I can accept, and even more than accepting, I can boast in humble circumstances because of that. Uh, James 1, verse 17, Psalm 119, verse 68. We've got to remember where good gifts come from and the character of the giver. If you remember, I mean, Psalm 119, verse 68 is becoming a theme that we hear from Pastor Rick a lot. You are good, and you do good. Those are, those, are, those are statements of truth and fact of God's character. And so how, in the midst of this scenario, does my response, my heart, my desire, my attitude basically deny those truths? I need to be renewed in that to say, no, in the midst of this, God is good. And God does good. And the next one, Psalm 84, 11, no good thing, no good thing does he withhold from the righteous. And so the, the implication of that is that, well, look, if God is withholding something like opportunities to speak or, uh, or a claim or, you know, the book writing deal or the song recording deal or whatever, if those are withheld, then they're not good. And those are the types of renewed thought processes because it's so easy for me to think, well, no, no, this is what's good. Right? Of course that's good. But no, if God withholds it for whatever time he withholds it, then it's not good for us, okay? Because we do not question the character and the work of God in that way. And so having worked through all of that in the sense of like, so, so what does it mean to have God's truth brought to bear in this scenario and in my heart and in my life? Then we have, to, we have things to confess. And so we pray, we confess the anger, the unkind words, the discontent, the, the, the wrong and, and um, slanderous beliefs against God. We confess the, I confess the desire for man's approval. And then, I, and then you consecrate accordingly, which has then to do with the put on. And so you can see how all of this kind of um, cycles together. I'm putting this off, then I'm being renewed about this, and I'm putting this on, and then in the midst of that I realize more that I need to put off, and greater implications of how I'm renewed, and so I, you know, it just kind of continues to cycle, but in good cycles, not vicious downward spiral cycles, helpful, edifying, uplifting cycles. And so I realize that, no, okay, so I need to put on specific things, the opposite, the flip side, Okay, like it was said, you put off the old self, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted uh, in accordance with the lust of deceit. You be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and then you put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and of truth. And so you're saying, what's righteous here? 
What's holiness? What's the righteous thought? What's the righteous attitude? What's the holy action? What's the holy desire? Which would be contentment with my role and my opportunities. Lord, you give, you take away. I will be faithful. I will try to excel. I will try to bear as much fruit as I can in whatever opportunities you bring me, small, big, many, few, whatever, content. That's the attitude to try to put on. And even right there, you understand that this is not a one and done thing, <laughs> right? Because it would pop up. Like, no, 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 truth, truth. I know the truth. Get down, confess, put it on, okay? And then there's going to be, the, in this plan of action, there's going to be things to do that will help build into that putting on. So striving for excellence and growth where I am. Actually, I need to, I need to instead of unkind and a cold disposition towards my role, I need to put on, right, not just neutral, but put on kindness. I mean, my words, simply because I'm struggling with my role in this hypothetical situation, do not get around the injunction of Colossians to us to let your speech always be like seasoned with grace, right? And so I need to say, well, I need to speak gracious truth and, and edifying grace to my role. Okay, that's a very concrete put on. I need to put on desire for God's fame rather than my own. I need to put on, I need to cultivate a knowledge and relationship with God that amazes me and causes right boasting. You see how weird that is if you don't like slow down and really process your heart and this is, again, what, we're, what we've been trying to get at time and time again is your heart that drives you to act, to desire, to think, to, to, um, to, to interact with people in certain ways. Because if all I said was I need to stop being unkind to my role, I'm not going to realize that I need to know and be amazed at God more. Because right now, my own status and my own heart actually overshadows God in my mind. That's a big deal. So I need to cultivate a knowledge and relationship with God that amazes me and causes right boasting. And I need to thank the Lord for his good gifts in my life. Because again, discontent means, oh, Lord, all that doesn't really hold any weight in my heart because that's the thing that really matters to me. But that's, again, disobedient. I need to put on thankfulness for his good gifts in my life and for my role's impact on the church. I need to put on remembering and rejoicing in the gospel work of Christ and the resulting relationship with Jesus. Again, always thinking, who am I in Christ? And that, that is the, that's the pillar and foundation to which we go back every situation and say, that's my identity, that's my foundation from which I operate, and that is how I can be thankful in any and all circumstance, and that is how I can have hope in any and every circumstance, is because of who Jesus is, what he's done for me, and how I live and exist in him. But then, plan of action, right? Because those are good things to write down. You could even write it down and be like, sweet, I got this problem dialed in, but if you then just put it in your bedside table, and I've actually done this, 
you know, especially in terms of like New Year's resolutions and eating better and losing weight and that kind of stuff. You're even like, yeah, I'm going to work out three times a week and I'm going to stop eating ice cream. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's worth writing down. And then you write it down and you put it in the table and you move on and you had a plan, but you don't have a plan of action. Right? So, okay, so based upon all this, well, I'm going to memorize Psalm 8411 so that when I struggle with these things, I can always remember God's character is good. And I'm going to remember the fact that I can plan to conquer because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means I can be content and I can rejoice with Myro when he is affirmed and when um, everybody is appreciative of his ministry and that kind of a thing. And so I memorize those so that those pop up into my head the moment that I wrestle with that reaction and with that thought and with that, that insidious selfishness. And then I strategize. I say, okay, so I'm planning to flee, which means you have to guard. In this case, you have to guard and quickly confess thin, sinful thoughts. Okay, so you plan to flee in the sense of, uh, of, of immediately recognizing those thoughts and, and, and immediately dealing with them and, and immediately asking for help and, and, and taking action. Plan to conquer. I say, okay, I can do different. By the power, by the Spirit of God, I can do different. I can behave different. I can think different and desire different. One of those things is going to be, I'm going to go and I'm going to speak thankful support to my role. Imagine, let's take it outside of my role and me, but I mean, imagine, okay, six months of coldness and unkind words and then the Holy Spirit brings conviction. I'm like, I'm going to do different. I'm going to do better. And God give me help. And here's all this process. And so, you know what? I need to go and I need to tell Myra how appreciative I am of him. Jaw drop. Myra, I just am amazed at how God has blessed our church with you. What, what, what about your coworker? What about the coworker that drives you nuts, that the neighbor that provokes you to anger and to despair? <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if you intentionally went and spoke words of grace? And again, it's not enough to just be neutral. It's, it's, it's kindness. And so I will affirm him when others do, and I will praise God for the fruit of the labor. Right, a, a specific plan to conquer is that next time I hear somebody say, man, I learned so much from my world, be like, yeah, me too. It was this and this, and I'm going to go, and I was just so thankful for my for what he's done. Put that into your family. Put that into your workplace. Put that into, um, into church life. So it's that, it's that plan to conquer. How, what does it look like to do different, and how will I go about doing that? All these things are always incomplete because I probably should have put in here, go and confess my sin to my role. And I didn't. Probably should be in there. Um, and then enlist support. I'll, I'll discuss my struggles with fill in the blank. On staff or in care group, I'll go and I'll tell, you know, Adam or Rick, guys, I, just, I need you to know I'm really struggling with this. And, you know, here, here's, here's what's going on, and I'm struggling, and I need you to help. Uh, here's my goals. Here's what I'm trying to memorize. So, hey, next week, ask me if I have those memorized. You know, and then if you see my disposition fall towards my role, then just ask me, you know, or, or just kind of say, hey, how about that Psalm 8411, Aaron? You know, that's, that's what a good, good manly uh, accountability does. They just sort of 
poke you with their elbow. Prayerfully support, follow up, bear the burden with somebody. All right, so that's, that's a little bit of a paradigm and how that can flesh out in, in what I think is a very practical way, but a way that is not going to just um, cause you to gloss over something or sweep it under the rug, but will actually bring about the transformation that God promises and desires. Um, I put some questions on the back, and this, again, this is where I thought, oh, maybe I ought to write out a script, and, and then I was, like, I, was, I was trying to literally write the script, and I was like, well... I mean, what if Frank says this, then I would have to do this and say, but what if he says this, and then I would have, and I was like, this is not helpful because it just goes any and every sort of place. But I can, I want to encourage you that one of the most important skills that you can have is twofold, as a friend, as a coworker, as, as, as a, a brother and sister in Christ, is two things. Shut your mouth and ask good questions, which are a little bit mutually exclusive. But don't always talk, right? That's what I mean by that. You, you don't always do all the talking and learn to ask good questions, all right? And then third skill is to be able to, um, to speak truth and to be helpful. But the goal of this is to know and care and help. It's not necessarily just, again, like I said earlier, not just to diagnose a problem and fix it because that's not always the issue at hand. Sometimes a person is just struggling with hardship. And so you don't fix the hardship. You draw them to Christ. But you have to be wise and you have to ask good questions about what that actually looks like. And so here's some helpful questions, I hope, during soul care conversations. And again, man, this can be in your conversations with your friends here at church. This can be in conversations with you know, some sort of formal counsel discipleship relationship that you might have going on. This could be in conversations with your spouse, okay? This could be in conversations, it should be in conversations with your spouse and with your children, if you have them. Again, I too often default to just, hey, be nice. But there's more to be done than just that, and it will yield good fruit if you do that. This can be done with, co- with coworkers, I mean, again, imagine, put yourself into the, in the conversation with a, with a coworker when they're uh, relaying some sort of trouble to you, and you start asking some of these questions. Now, if they're an unbeliever, these questions can quickly turn into, well, hey, let me tell you about the God who meets every need that you can come into, into, into encounter with. And it becomes a gospel conversation, becomes a, let me tell you about the one who addresses that at the very core, and then it leaks into all of your actions and thoughts. And maybe you have a coworker who's a believer, and you can actually work them through all these processes and uh, encourage them uh, in, in those ways. But these are, these are, I think, helpful questions in four and a half minutes. If you're having a conversation with somebody at coffee, um, and you're, you're trying to figure out what kind of things they need to put off, you can just ask them, hey, if you were to describe, not, not, just, not just what you do or how you think, but what's, what's at the core of this situation for you? How would you describe that? Chances are good they're going to have to step back and think, and that's a good thing. Thinking is always good. And then you can even just ask that. Well, what are you, what are you doing or thinking when this happens, when that pain strikes again, or when that person who got the promotion over you knocks on your your cubicle door and gives you a task or whatever. 
And then again, what are you expecting when your husband comes home from work or when your child throws dishes with two large chunks of food into the dishwasher for the 7,000th time or whatever the case? What are you, what are you expecting in the midst of that interaction? Uh, uh, is there something in particular that provokes this thought, response, desire? You know, was there a time when things were different to help them sort of understand, again, what's the core of the problem? What, what would you like to change about this? Do you see any areas where you might be feeding this struggle? You know, like if, if me and Myra, you know, were having that issue and I was over there reviewing the YouTube lists of Myra's best hits and that's feeding that problem, that's probably a bad idea right? And then the question of this, do you think God cares about what you're going through? It's forcing somebody to step back and really pause and think. Do you think God actually cares? Because if they say no, oh my goodness, you have an incredible conversation to have right there, right? But if you don't ask that question, it can often just be glossed over. Yeah, I'm just mad at Myra. Oh man, I mean, yeah, I understand. There's this other guy at work that just drives me nuts too. Well, that's not helpful, right? Okay, so what about, how, what about in, in terms of how do you be renewed? Again, do you go just from, hey, stop being a jerk and, and, and be nice? Well, no, you have to go through the process of why. How you want our, our hearts and our minds to be sanctified, to be renewed. And so you got to ask, do you think God has a perspective on this? And the answer should be yes. And so then you say, well, what verses could apply here? But you, you hear how it's not always necessarily just saying, well, let, here, here, here's this verse pill, and you take that and feel better in the morning. It's, it's drawing questions and helping them process and interact with truth such that it actually gets into their heart as well. And again, not just what verses could apply, not just I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but how, what are the principles in that verse that actually inform this situation? Man, just asking, how do you think God wants you to respond to this? You can ask that about every situation. Because when God redeems us, he says, you are mine in totality. Your work, your play, your hobbies, your relationships, your thoughts, your eyes in totality, right? So you can always say, hey, what do you how do you think God wants you to, to respond to this? What do you think he wants you to do in the midst of this? And then again, do you believe God is working in this situation? Because you've got some concrete biblical truth principles that, that, uh, that need to be brought to bear in that if they say, well, no, I mean, I think it's just something I've got to deal with. <laughs> Let's talk. Okay, so then put on. Well, what's, okay, so, so you know, Aaron, you're, you're, you're mad at Myra. Okay, so Aaron, what's the, what's the righteous flip side of that? Like, what would it look like to actually do the righteous, holy image of God thing in that scenario? And then let me answer, right? But again, this is the whole thing about, like, ask a good question and then let, let them speak. Help. It's so helpful that way because they, they get to work it out and they get to then own the result and the solution. You know, where would you like to be in this situation? Are you willing to take steps? If you're not willing to take steps, then you're in trouble. Because yes, God is at work in you, but you have to work. And you can't say, no, I'm not willing to take steps. I'm hoping God just sort of does something. Well, 
hopefully the whole series has convinced you that that's not how sanctification works. So then again, here, what helpful steps will you take? And here's where you can kind of encourage, quote, homework. You don't call it homework when you're just hanging out with your buddy. But you can say, hey, man, I would really encourage you. You should memorize that verse. Like, get it in your brain and in your heart. You know what? Let's, let's each read this chapter every day for the next two weeks. And then when we come back, like, you know, in, in two weeks over lunch, let's talk about it. What are you thinking? How, you see how you're like giving homework, but you're just in relationship. Okay. Uh, so that's what helpful steps will you take. And then, brother, how can I bear this burden? How can I help bear this burden? How can I help spur you on? What can I do for you? Keep you accountable. Just be loving support. Uh, text you a verse a day. You know, Whatever the situation, how can I help? Because I'm not just about fixing your problem. I'm about loving you, bearing this burden, and supporting you as I seek to spur you on. And there's, there's some principles down there to keep in mind in terms of categories and listening and speaking the truth and grace and love and being willing to truly bear a burden. Man, if you, if you have ever been, if you ever had, had somebody walk through a hardship with you and bear your burden. It's amazing. And you see why God commanded it. But I also see there's a lot of deficiencies sometimes in our relationships where we tend to be like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then that's it. But we got to learn to bear burdens with one another. Okay? All right. Hopefully that helps. If you're confused about anything or have more questions, then come up and ask me. Um, but with that, we'll be dismissed and we'll be back in 13 minutes.